Hi, and welcome to our show, Forever Paranormal, with your host, Dr. Bill and Ed, where we will discuss such things as cryptids, UFOs, hauntings, angels, unsolved mysteries, government conspiracies and cover-ups, witchcraft, the metaphysical, and more, as well as stories sent in by you, our listeners. If we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. And you may be surprised by what all is connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Just reach out. Well, hello there, folks, and welcome to this week's episode, where we are going to discuss an ugly, hideous, human-eating creature called an ogre, or an ogress, depending on the gender. I guess maybe they're stuck at two. Okay, then. (laughs) Hey, Deb, how are you this week? I'm well. How are you? I'm good. Got anything new going on? Ever heard of a fish causing a power outage? No, I heard of a fish called Wanda, but not of one causing a power outage. (laughs) Okay, then. Well, let me tell you. Mid-August, apparently, according to news sources in Sayreville, New Jersey, which is southwest of Staten Island, while crews were investigating the source of a power outage, they discovered a fish laying on top of a transformer. Their speculation... Okay, because how in the world did a fish get on top of a transformer? Well, hold on for it. Here it comes. Their speculation is that the likely culprit was a bird that dropped it mid-flight. It must have been a big fish. Must have been. And therefore, it must have been a big bird. Because apparently the outage was a large area of this town. I don't know how big the town is, but... Pretty wild, yeah. pretty wild. I pretty have to weird. admit that. Yeah, that's a cool one. Thanks. Yep. It's cool. Okay, so well, Deb, when you suggested the other day the topic for this episode, I really hope you weren't meaning for us to talk about Shrek and Princess Fiona. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a classic and a great movie, but even Puss in Boots isn't as cute and innocent as in that series of movies. Of course not, but the characters are green. They are funny looking. You have a talking donkey. Sounds paranormal to me. Well, yeah, almost. And don't forget, he's a donkey that can fly there for a minute. <laughs> yes. It's like super fly. But, you know, I think he couldn't fly after they stayed up all night telling manly, manly stories, stories and making waffles, something like that. Well, waffles were for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now let's... Where did the legend of ogres even originate at? Well, it seems possibly that they started in France as the word ogre is derived from the Etruscan god of the underworld and land of the dead named Orcus, according to one legend, who was the punisher of oathbreakers and who is usually described as a large, ugly, bearded giant that feeds on the flesh of humans. It is also said Though that Orcus was a cyclops, and I guess some ogres are cyclopses, I'm not sure. The word ogre itself was first used way back in the 12th century by a French poet 
in Percival. The story of the grail which has the line, and it is written that he will come again to all the realms of Logers, which has formerly land of ogres, and destroy them with that lance. It seems many of the French authors of that era picked up the word and started using it, and it just spread from there. Kind of guess it grew like a big giant hairy wart, maybe. I don't know. But it seems this race of hideous and scary beings were already in Britain before the origin of the word ogre, since the land of logers was purportedly King Arthur's realm. There are also many English and Scottish tales of them and how they apparently liked to terrorize the first settlers and were said to be especially fond of eating infants and children. I don't know, maybe they looked at them like Ville. What do you think? Oh, my. Anyhow, it was said, lock your doors and walk the trails of the woods carefully. Once an ogre catches a whiff of human flesh, its hunger is insatiable. Another curious fact is that ogres span many lands with their myths and legends, and I guess it could be possible that these different people associated and talked, but they are even in Japanese folklore, and chances of them communicating with Europeans at that time were slim to none. We don't know much about where ogres may have come from, though they seem to have very close relations to both giants and cannibals in mythology and legend. And it is even possible that these creatures are the same or have similar origin or even possibly a Nephilim. Hmm. Mm -hmm. The Nephilim were a race of giants that were supposedly created by the union of an angel and a human woman. They were known to be heroes in their day and were thought to be great warriors or cannibals and killers in the Book of Enoch. It is possible that some survived the Great Flood well, you know, that's a story for another time. So here's where it gets a little fun for me. What about their appearance? When it comes to ogres, most folks tend to agree on several key facts. First, ogres always seem to be noticeably large. They are humanoid in appearance, but their size makes it clear that they are not human in nature. They are extremely tall and tend to be very stout. Their bodies are noted, noted to be strong and sturdy. It is possible that the many muscles that make up the ogre's stature are responsible for their stout shape. Kind of like another cryptid we really hear about with big feet, right? Oh, here we go. In addition to their physical build, ogres are commonly noted to have an excess amount of hair this only adds to their fearsome appearance and makes them look even more animalistic or squatchy. And um, there it is. The majority of these creatures are also noted to have skin tone that is not similar to that of humans. The most common colors mentioned are usually green and blue. Well, okay. Now there it is. Mm -hmm. Now I have to stop comparing them to the big guy as they are said to be commonly black, brown, and have reddish tints, but definitely they're not green or blue. Nope. Okay. Legend has it that ogres are known for their extreme hunger for human flesh. They are gruesome beasts that are feared by all, but especially mothers of infants and young children. An ogre can consume an astounding amount of flesh, which is partially why they were known for rampaging through villages and leaving death and destruction in their wake. 
Well, I guess they wouldn't make for very good babysitters then, would they? <laughs> Since according to legend, the reason they like the taste of humans, especially children, is due to the ogre's belief that eating the young will provide them with eternal youth. Hmm. And it's said that ogres even seem to have magical powers in the various tales which include them, like in Puss in Boots, for example. You know which tale this is. <laughs> the one about the fairy that took cat form in order to grant his master's rags to riches story through trickery and manipulation. In this story, we get the idea that ogres are also shape-shifting creatures who are intelligent and were capable of communicating with humans and other creatures, able to hold positions of power and respect, and presumably able to manage other groups. In the tale of Puss in Boots, since you don't know it, the ogre demonstrates disability by transforming into a lion and then is tricked into transforming into a mouse. Once the ogre was transformed into the vulnerable state of the mouse, Puss devours the mouse, or we should say the ogre. This suggests that ogres could disguise themselves as familiar creatures that seemingly mean no harm, which only adds to their threat to early humans, including infants and children. In the story of Hapo Matam, ogres are made to still be nasty, but take on more humanistic traits. Hapo Matam is the story of a young boy who uses his cunning to save himself and his brothers from multiple threats, which include being eaten by an ogre and his family. There are many underlying ideas in this story, but what is perhaps most interesting is the knowledge of the perspective of ogres that can be gathered from this tale. Yeah, I, I know of this story, and ogres are shown to be intelligent creatures who show some civility and adhere to family units that are similar to that of human beings. The ogre in this story had a wife and several daughters and lived in a house that was apparently furnished in a similar manner to human homes. In this story, the ogre allows the boys to stay in his home for one night and sleep in the same room as his daughters. Mm-hmm. There is a catch, however. Yeah, because there's always a catch when a father allows you to share a room with his daughters. And here it is. The ogre gets up in the middle of the night and attempts to kill the boys in their sleep. With shrewd anticipation, Hoppo my thumb and his brothers are able to avoid this by tricking the ogre into killing the, his daughters instead. Okay? Were they in the same <laughs> battle? No, I don't want to go there. He chases the boys through the woods the next day, seeking revenge, but quickly grows tired and falls asleep under a tree. Hop on my thumb steals the ogre's boots while he is sleeping and discovers they are magical. He uses the boots to live happily ever after and make a fortune for himself and his family. Typical fairy tale ending. Yeah, you know, everybody lives happily ever after. Yep. But, you know, this tale really seems to have a lot in common with trolls in Nordic legend and Norse mythology. Okay, so now we have some magic tied into the ogre legend with the magical boots, but it seems like maybe they aren't as smart after all and should maybe do a little cardio. Maybe. They get pretty tired running Mm. through the woods. After hopple my thumb. Yeah. <laughs> and folks, just for clarity, in case you're wondering where in the world I come up with a story about hopple my thumb, it's a French fairy tale. 
one of the eight that was written by an author by the name of uh, Charles Perrault, and he, he did it in his book around 1697. That's, it's a very old, and it was a little rough to come across, but it was a pretty cool story, wasn't it? Yeah. What a great name. Hop on my thumb. And, you know, there are also other possible ties to ogres. We already spoke about Orcus, the Etruscan god. Then we have the mythical Hebrew legend of Og, which is recorded in the Bible in Deuteronomy, Numbers, and Psalms. Og is said to be the last of the Rephaim, and was known to be an enormous being, but not really filling the bill as he wasn't a cannibal. Then we have Orko, not to be confused with Orca, the killer whale, which was actually named Shamu, but anyhow. Oh, my. Orco, which is the word for ogre in Italian. Their monster, much like a regular ogre, is a creature who has a craving for human flesh and many characteristics of traditional ogres. The many similarities lead many people to believe that the orco and the ogre are the same type of monster. This, in turn, leads many to believe that orcus was the inspiration for both creatures because of the similarity in their traits and names. Arguing over credit of who had the original monster, I'm not sure and I don't care. We mentioned earlier that there are even ogres in Japan and they are called the Ogni. Ogni are known to have oddly colored skin, usually red or blue, to be extremely hairy, to have large fangs, and a hunger for human flesh, especially that of infants and children. Many call the Ogni Japanese ogres and suggest that their existence, along with the existence of the Orko, is proof that ogres were a common monster across many early cultures. You know, could all of these myths and legends be true due to the common nature and description across many lands and cultures? Or are they possibly nothing more than a boogeyman of their time used to keep kids in line? Think about that. Mm-hmm. You know, don't run into woods. Don't do this. Don't do that. The ogres will get you. The boogeyman will get you. Don't stay up late. Um, and we look at the ogre mythology, it is also important to note that infants and children seem to be its ideal food source. It is known that many legends and fairy tales have their roots in teaching children to listen to their parents. The ogres were a supposed population that lived in the woods and towered well above the height of the average man or woman. Looking at it from a child's perspective, not even big old strong dad could save them if they were unfortunate enough to run into an ogre while exploring on their own and not being home before dark. This, combined with the fact that children were an ogre's favorite meal, would have been more than enough to keep any curious kid from wandering off too far from the house or wherever. Maybe this ties in with Hansel and Gretel, Red Riding Hood, Jack and a Beanstalk. I mean, the witch wanted to eat the children in Hansel and Gretel, the wolf wanted to eat Red Riding Hood, and Jack and the Beanstalk, the giant, fee fi fo he smelt the blood of an Englishman and wanted to eat him. So, who knows? Well, I, I think maybe all 
myths and legends and fairy tales are a um, they come from some sort of basis in reality based on you know a giant person and and parents get this information and they make up things just on the fly to keep their kids in line so maybe this is how legends like ogres and other boogeymen and different things come about what do you think maybe but um it's also maybe like genetics right or deformities and Mm -hmm. someone was born as a humpback with an ugly face or something deformed like that and that could be why it's spread across the different cultures and stuff because that's not that uncommon. And it just grows Especially, with that Right, and it grows with the, you know, hey, Johnny Joe down the street's going to get you if you've got in the woods after dark, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it helps with the legend and the tales. And it's not that uncommon. And that could explain it across different cultures, especially mm-hmm. in the early days when there was a lot more interbreeding with family and stuff, especially at the royalty level and things like that, where kings married cousins and sisters and so on and so forth. I don't know. Okay, Deb. Since we know the origin of the word ogre goes back to at least the 12th century, I've got to ask you, (laughs) did your parents try to scare you with ogres when you were young? Wow. (laughs) Just your usual boogeyman. Did you know the boogeyman is defined as an imaginary evil person who harms children? Most children are scared into behaving for fear the boogeyman will come for them. Ironically, there was a serial killer known to be a real-life boogeyman, Albert Fish. He was also known as the Brooklyn Vampire and the Gray Man, among other names. He had a penchant for pedophilia. He was a serial killer, rapist, child molester, and a cannibal. Don't worry. He was executed by electrocution at Sing Sing Prison in 1936. This one won't be coming for you. Well, that's pretty good to know. And uh, I thought The Brooklyn Vampire was a movie that Eddie Murphy did. (laughs) <laughs> and the gray man was something else altogether. Yeah. Because there are some stories out there about the gray man, and we're probably going to talk about them one day. I think that's G-R-E-Y. This is G-R-A-Y. What's the difference? Gray I is gray. Know. I gray don't know. Gray is gray, right? So anyhow, what about you folks? Let us hear your thoughts. You can leave us comments on our Facebook page at Forever Paranormal or send us an email at admin at foreverparanormal.com. And with that, you know, thanks for listening. And until next time, when we discuss another tale yet to be told. Thank you for listening. And remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foreverparanormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode. (laughs) 